0: Get your Bibles. We're going to be back in 1 Samuel 18, where we were two Sunday nights ago. And this is our conclusion to our two part message on the toxicity of jealousy. And just a little reminder, because a lot's happened in the last two weeks, and you have no idea what I preached two weeks ago, probably. If you're anything like me, it's easy. I, I forget what I preached this morning. I think I remember, but, uh, but things can happen sometimes, and we kind of forget. So I'll just give us a little context, a little recap of where we were. 1 Samuel 17, we have the famous story. Anybody remember? We, we teach it often in the children's classes. The famous story in 1 Samuel 17 of... David and Goliath, I heard a few of you got that right. David and Goliath, and we saw David, this shepherd boy, this, this Uber Eats driver bringing cheese to the battlefront and, uh, and some bread for his brothers, and he gets there and there's this enemy of God that's that's cursing God and cursing the people of God and they're scared to death the trained armies of Israel are cowering in the bushes they're hiding back there in the valley there at the valley of Elah and they're 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 scared to death and David says is there not a cause what are we don't we serve the almighty God what are we scared of and we know the story of course David goes and and with God's strength miraculously wins a great victory and uh, and then he cuts off Goliath's head and, and all of those things. And life is good for King Saul. His, his nation, he's on top of the world. He's a victor. They've, they've, the Philistines are now have been, have been defeated. And people are dancing in the streets. They're celebrating this great victory. It's a good time to be an Israelite. And it's a good time to be the leader, the king of Israel. Everything's going good in his kingdom. He's got people serving him. He's got, he's got all of these things happening. And then we saw in verse number 6 of chapter 18, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. They come out in a celebration, kind of like when, a, when a, in America we have a, a, a sports team wins a championship. Often in their city, they'll have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people fill the street when the, when the victors, the champions, come back home. And they, they cheer them on, this jubilation. Well, that's what this was. It was a championship parade. They come out in the streets, and they're singing to King Saul with all of this joy. Verse 7. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And I won't go through the entire message from two weeks ago, but, but I, I noticed here, and, and I hope that I'm not misinterpreting it, for me, the conjunction there is and, not but. Saul is slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. It's like saying whatever your favorite team is, this guy scored 30 and this guy scored 40. Like, that's awesome. Our team scored 70 or, or through those two guys. Where This is not a bad thing for King Saul. This reflects well on Saul's leadership. But yet, a seed of jealousy. Verse number, verse number eight, and Saul... Was very wroth, angry. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. By the way, that's not a bad thing to be ascribed. This guy's killed thousands of people. That's a pretty bad dude. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good military resume. He said, All they've said is that I'm just one of the most lethal assassins to ever live. That's all they've said. And what can he have more but the kingdom? We saw in week number one of this two-part message, the toxicity of jealousy. Leaders, those, and by the way, this message is for all of us, not necessarily to say, oh, I know a jealous leader, I know an insecure leader, I know a toxic leader. The point of this series is for all of us, to be honest, to take inventory, because leadership, it's been said, is influence, and all of us have influence in people's lives, And whatever influence that is, that might be at work, that might be at home, that might be in a church setting, that might be in a business setting, that might be in a familial setting. Wherever our influence is, it's for us to take inventory and say, am I allowing these toxic leadership traits to get planted in my heart? And 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 we saw last uh, two weeks ago when that seed of jealousy came in. We saw a few things. We saw Saul's inability to rejoice over others' successes. A toxic, jealous, insecure leader. He can't rejoice when somebody else succeeds because he thinks it makes him look worse. No, a secure, mature, godly leader, when somebody else succeeds, we're on the same team. We rejoice with them that do rejoice and we weep with them that do weep. I should have showed it to you. I just thought of it right now. It was on my Twitter feed. I retweeted it yesterday. There's this little group of kids sitting at a table and if you're on Twitter, you can go search my account up after church and go watch it. And I posted on there how every Christian and pastor should rejoice when they hear, of God doing something good in another Christian or church's life. And there's this little kid and the preschool teacher asks him, whatever the kid's name is, find number five. And the kid looks at all these numbers and he picks up the number five. And there's this hype man, his buddy is sitting across the table. And he said, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy right there. The teacher says to all the other kids, let's clap for whatever the kid's name is. Let's clap for Liam. And this kid's like, forget clapping. I'm rejoicing with this kid. And he does it for three or four numbers. But insecure, immature, jealous people can't rejoice when God blesses or uses someone else. We saw, secondly, that, that insecure je- jealousy in our leadership and insecurity leads to unjustified paranoia. We're viewing everybody for how they're going to hurt us. How's he trying to get over on me? What's her angle? What, what is she saying here? And we saw that with King Saul, his unjustified paranoia. And then the irrational treatment of others. David had done nothing but serve Saul, and yet Saul tried to kill him multiple times. We're gonna see tonight where he tries to kill him some more times. And then we see insecurity. And I told you, uh, uh, Two weeks ago, jealousy and fear go hand in hand. Saul feared losing power and it caused him to fear someone. It said he was very afraid of David. It caused him to fear someone that he had no reason to fear. And I, I told you last time, insecure leaders tend to begin to isolate themselves from everyone else because everybody's out to get them. Everybody's a threat to them. Everybody, and we saw those things. Now we pick it back up, and I won't read all the way through because we did last time. Let's pick it up where we left it off in verse number 17. Verse 17, so this is the background. David has done nothing but serve Saul, but Saul, he's let his jealousy just consume him, and his life is all about how can I destroy David? Verse 17, would you read it aloud with me? Ready, begin. And Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Merib, for her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. This is maybe a new low for Saul. Jealous leaders, what we find in their lives is they begin to use their leadership and they use it for manipulation and scheming. Manipulation and scheming. And they begin to use their power to figure out, how can I hurt that person? How can I, how can I, how can I move this to my benefit? How can I—and uh, and, and manipulating, scheming leaders. Did you see it there? Saul said to David, behold, my elder daughter, my oldest daughter, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me, look at this, and fight the Lord's battles. He dressed it up in spiritual words. Hey, go do it. I, I want you, uh, David, I'm so proud of you. You're such a great, you're, you're just an up, uh, uh, up, uh, up and coming rising star in the Israelite army and in this kingdom. And I'm so glad you're here. In fact, I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to marry my oldest daughter. And I'm going to give her a wife to you. And, and here's the only thing. All I want you to do is just go. And just go and fight and and, and kill some of the Philistines. Now, by the way, David's already done that. But he said, that way Saul said, I don't have to do it. My hands will be clean and he'll just die at the hands of the armies of the Philistines. Manipulation and scheming. And by the way, to to the point of when you become insecure and your, your, your world just becomes all about you, you don't even care if you hurt your own family. His daughter became a pawn in his scheme. I, I don't care if I break my daughter's heart. I'm going to betroth my daughter to be married to David with the idea that he's going on a suicide mission. So my daughter's going to think this is who she's going to marry, and then he's going to die because of what I've done. And I don't care how, how, my, how my leadership hurts. I don't care how it hurts those that I love and that manipulation and scheming. And in a toxic environment, every person is a pawn who exists to accomplish my purposes. But in a healthy environment, every person is a unique piece of the puzzle that all works together beautifully to accomplish God's plan. You need to ask yourself in any area that you have influence or leadership, in a toxic environment, every person is just somebody that exists to serve my purposes, to benefit my agenda, to to accomplish my scheme. But in a healthy environment, every person is a unique piece of the puzzle that works together beautifully to accomplish God's plan. Look at verse 18, if you will. And David said unto Saul, Who am I? Notice the pride, the manipulation, the scheming, the jealousy of Saul. Look at the heart and the response of David, the humility. And David said unto Saul, who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? I'm nobody. No, Saul, no, 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 no. And by the way, this doesn't help. This messes Saul's plan up. But David says, I'm not worthy of that. No, I, and by the way, his response, David's response to Saul of humility and of service and of loyalty was after we read last week, two weeks ago, Saul had already tried to kill him twice. This is David's heart after David has already had to escape out of Saul's hand from the javelin. We've already read that. And he says, who am I? He responds with godliness and humility after a toxic leader had hurt him. By the way, this series is not about us identifying necessarily people that have hurt us and wallowing in our hurt and our victimhood uh, of the past at work or at the home or or in a church or whatever. And I'm not not minimizing if you've been hurt by a leader. I'm not minimizing that. Uh, But this series is not—the purpose is not for us just to wallow in that. But may I say this? It's a great example. If you have been hurt, you can't control how others— treat you. You can only control how you respond to what they've done. And David, I talked about that a a couple of times ago. Toxic leadership doesn't have to define you a few months ago in this series. But David gives us a great example, even when somebody in leadership mistreats you. And and again, I'm not talking about something illegal that you sweep under the the rug or the carpet and you don't deal with it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody hurts you or doesn't do you right. Don't live your life in bitterness, in discouragement, in revenge. Like David, humble yourself and, and respond in the right way. Look at verse 19. But it came to pass at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Miholothite, to wife. Because of David's humility, Saul's scheme fails. And by the way, nothing hurts a toxic leader's scheme more than people who respond with grace, humility, and godliness. I'll say that again. Nothing hurts a toxic leader's scheme than somebody who responds with grace, humility, and godliness. So now Saul's manipulation and scheming. Is he done? Is he done scheming? Let's find out. Verse 20. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. I can almost see it to me when I read that verse. It's almost like he's the... He's the uh, the scheming villain in a cartoon and he's just kind of sitting there the thing please, him kind of like the Grinch like his he gets the idea in his head and and he gets a, an evil smile a little evil laugh the thing oh now I've got my plan again willing to break his own daughter's heart to hurt his own family to advance his agenda oh hey David I'm sorry hey Saul did you know Michael she loves David now, I know you were going to give Mereb to, to David to wife. Michael, she's got to think for David. She's noticed him. She's, she's really interested. She's been, she's been stalking his social media pages and all of that. She's, she's got some interest in David. And the thing pleased Saul. Look at verse number 21. And Saul said, I will give him her that she, look at this. I will give him her that she may be a snare to him. I'm willing to use everybody. I don't care who I hurt to help myself that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in in the one of the twain, one or the other. You're gonna marry one of my daughters. And we see, he says here, this is good. I've got the plan and I've got it all figured out. And we see here with that manipulation and scheming, as we study this, King Saul, he took everything into his own hands. I read a statement that I thought was a, a good statement. Faith is living without scheming. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs chapter number three, verses five and six, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Don't scheme and figure it out your own way. And he shall direct thy paths. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to, God, this is what's gonna happen here. And let me put my life in order here and let me do that. Faith is living without scheming. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna live for you. And I'm gonna trust that you'll guide and direct my path. Look at verse 22, and Saul commanded his servants, saying, commune with David secretly and say, behold, the king hath delight in thee. True or false? Is that statement true or false, church? Did the king have delight in him? True or false? No, that's false. Delight in thee. And all his servants love thee. True or false? False. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law, What do we see, the toxicity of jealousy? What does it lead to in our lives? Insecure, immature, ungodly leadership. Not only will we manipulate and scheme, not caring who we hurt, but it leads to dishonesty. Backroom dealings, deceptive maneuverings, abuse of power, using others to do your dirty work. Hey, come over here. Hey guys, all right, here's what I need you to do. Go tell David, man, I love that guy. He's so awesome, I can't wait for him to be in my family. Just tell him how how proud I am of him. All of that was a lie. He hated David. He was angry. He was wroth. He was fearful. He was threatened by David. Dishonesty, deceptive maneuverings, using others to do your dirty work. And then I want you to notice toxic leaders give and put on others unreasonable demands. Look at verse 23. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. So they come to David and say, man, you're on the top of the king's list. He loves you, and all his servants love you, and he wants you in his family. And David said, again, David responding with maturity, with godliness, with humility. David said, seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? You think just anybody is good enough for that? Seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed, I can't pay the dowry? I can't pay what, what you have to pay. To, to, my family doesn't, ha, doesn't have anything to offer King Saul and his family. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm nobody. I, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy to be the king's son-in-law. And David, humility and honesty in contrast to, to, to Saul's dishonesty. Look at verse, verse 24. And the servants of Saul told him, saying, on this manner spake David. So they come back and say, David, bad news. I'm sorry, Saul, bad news. David's not going for it. They came and said, hey, David wants you to get married. Like, we're ready. We're going to do a quick wedding. And, and David said, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what, what he needs. They come back to Saul and say, bad news. David's not going for it. He's, he, he loves you too much, and he, doesn't think, he thinks your daughter's too good. He doesn't think he's worthy. Look at what King Saul said in verse 25. And Saul said, thus shall you say to David, the king desireth not any dowry, But an hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies, but Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So what does David do? He gives him an impossible request. He tells him, I want you, all you need to do is go kill a hundred Philistines. You don't need to pay me any money. Your dad doesn't have to have anything in the account. He doesn't need to transfer any money over to to get married. You don't have to pay for the rehearsal dinner. You don't have to pay for the wedding cake. You don't have to pay for the honeymoon. All you have to do is go out and and kill 100 Philistines. That's it. And then once you do that, then you can be my son-in-law. All I want, David, is for you to go do that. And what does it say at at the end of verse 25 there? It said, he thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. This is a perfect plan. I'm going to get David killed after all because it was an impossible request. Nobody can kill 100 Philistines by themselves. That was a true thing that that Saul believed, but here's the problem. The only problem was David wasn't by himself. The same God that was with him to defeat Goliath was the God that was with him to defeat the Philistines. Saul didn't account for God's hand upon David's life. Saul said there's no way he's coming back alive on this one. This is truly a suicide mission. There's no way he's coming back, but Saul didn't account that David was a man after God's own heart. Saul didn't account that David had tapped into a power that was greater than his own power, and we see that the God who had helped him kill the champion of the Philistines was the same God who would help him kill not 100 more Philistines, but he's going to double it. David's going to kill 200. Look, if you will, at verse number 26. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. I've got my chance. I, I don't have a dowry. I don't have a great family history, but I can, I can do this with God's help. And Saul gave him, Michael, his daughter, to wife. Verse 28, I'm sorry, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Verse 26, it pleased David. Uh, and the days were not expired. Verse 27, wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines. How many, church? How many did you slew? Slay 200. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. That had to be an awkward, tense wedding. I've been to a couple awkward, tense weddings. And it's like, who giveth this woman to be married to this man? This man's supposed to be dead on the battlefield, but I guess, go ahead. And he gives him Michael, begrudgingly gives him Michael to wife. Verse 28, Verse 28, And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. By the way, it should be like, okay, I learned. I learned my lesson. (laughs) God's with David. My daughter loves him. I'm just gonna get over my hangups. He's my son-in-law now. But that's not what happened. Saul's jealousy, his plan backfired. And now his enemy, public enemy number one for Saul is now his son-in-law. Saul's jealousy poisoned his relationships, it poisoned his family, it poisoned his kingdom, and it poisoned his legacy. He had everything, and yet he found no peace or fulfillment or joy in any of it. That's what jealousy does. Those are the thoughts. I told you I had seven thoughts. I gave you four the first time and three today, tonight. I want to finish with the cause of jealousy and the cure for jealousy. So if we find some of these things in our lives, where's that coming from? Unreasonable demands, paranoia, uh, the the idea of manipulation and scheming, dishonesty in those that we love, irrational treatment of others, insecurity, inability to rejoice over other successes. When we see those in in our lives, where's that coming from? I want to give you what I believe the cause of jealousy almost always is this, it's pride. Look at verse 29. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Saul was unwilling to humble himself and say, I was wrong. David's done nothing against me. God, In fact, the Bible says Saul knew that God was with him. How much pride does it take to know that God's hand is on someone and to still make them your enemy continually? I don't care what God thinks about him. I don't like him. I don't care what God's doing through them. I want to kill them. What, what kind of pride does that take? And the cause of jealousy in our lives is almost always pride. I deserve more than that person and and I'm jealous of them because they got something that I deserved. I'm jealous of them because God blessed them in a way that he didn't bless me. I'm jealous of them because God used him or her in a way that he didn't use me and that pride does not allow us to rejoice and to invest and to love those around us. It causes us to view everybody with a skeptical, scheming eye. Why? Because I want it all for myself. I don't want anybody else to invest enjoy the good things of God. I want God to only use me. That that pride, and David stole my praise. That pride is what started it all. They gave David, they ascribed to him ten thousands, and to me they ascribed but thousands. That pride rooted up in his heart, and it caused a toxic jealousy that would poison his life, that would poison his family, that would poison his kingdom, that would poison his legacy. Don't you know who I am? I'm King Saul. Why don't you write a song where I'm the hero? Why are you writing songs where David's the hero? Saul's pride led to his jealousy, which led to him destroying everything important in his life. Say that again his pride led to his jealousy, which led to him destroying everything important in his life. I've seen it happen, I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in families. Everything is great until God blesses a, a, one member of the family beyond expectations. Then a sibling or a parent or a child feels threatened and feels the need to tear that person down rather than to build them up and rejoice over their successes. I've watched that a, a pastor or a spiritual leader has a great relationship with one of his Timothys and, until either that Timothy gets, gets eat up with jealousy or that pastor gets eat up with jealousy and, 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 and that maybe one of them begins to succeed, the Timothy beyond what the pastor expected. Then his approval of him turns into suspicion. His friendship turns into jealousy. Why? I want all the attention for me. I want people to praise me. And what happens, and then all of a sudden we're willing to hurt whoever it takes because that jealousy in our families, in our lives, at work. The cause of jealousy is pride. What's the cure for jealousy? Contentment. Look at verse number 30, and we'll finish it up. Verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth. Would you read the rest of the verse from the word forth there, starting with the word that? Ready, begin that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much set by. David didn't allow, in this instance, didn't allow jealousy or pride to creep in at all. He was content with where God had placed him and with what God had given him to do. We talked about it a little bit this morning in our message. But do you notice David's response? I don't need to get even. I don't need to hurt that leader that hurt me. I don't need to defend myself. That one that tried to kill me, I don't need to to scheme and manipulate how I can get him dethroned. By the way, had David already been anointed king of Israel? Yes or no? Yes. Samuel's already told him, You're the next king. David probably could have tried to figure out, maybe go find Samuel. Hey, Samuel, I don't know if you've seen on the, on, on the news what's going on uh, there at the uh, government headquarters, but this, 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 uh, uh, this regime is not going real well. He's kind of lost his mind. He's a little out there. He's a little crazy, the king of Israel, and we really need to get me. Let's, can we, can we kind of speed up? Can we fast track my, my kingship? I know you already anointed me, but we really got to get, this guy is acting crazy. He's acting like it's, his press conferences are wild. No, I don't want to get into that, but this guy is acting, acting a little crazy. And, and, and David didn't do any of that. I don't need to justify myself. David behaved himself more wisely. Why was he able to do that? David was a shepherd boy who had been anointed king. And then God told him, wait for years. And you know what David did? The one he had been anointed to replace tried to kill him. You know what David did? He went back to be the personal harpist for his assassin, his would-be assassin. David said, God, wherever you put me and whatever you want me to do, I'm going to try to behave myself more wisely. And God honored that. And God blessed that. I was meeting with somebody this week and talking about some things. And and I told him, you can't control how they respond or what they do. You can only control how you behave, how you respond, your heart toward them. That's a wonderful truth to learn in the toxic and difficult relationships of life. We'll go crazy trying to control someone else's actions or responses. David said, you know what David did? I'm supposed to be playing harp for this guy that killed me. I guess I'm going to play harp. I'm supposed to, I'm going to marry his daughter. I'm going to try to honor him. God will do his work in his way, in his time. I'm content with where God has placed me and with what he has given me to do. He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's what David's mindset was. David had already been anointed king. But it was going to take him years. God, you want me to be in the wilderness? You want me to be wandering in caves? You want me to be hunted like an animal? Whatever you want me to do, I will seek to behave myself wisely. What was David saying here? God, I rest in your plan. I rejoice in other successes. I find my identity in who you are and who you say I am, not what I've done or what someone else has done to me. Can I say that one more time? David said, I find my identity in who you are and who you say I am and not in what I've done or what someone else has done to me. I'm not going to let that define me. As Paul said, I have learned in what sober state I am therewith to be content. Church family, do you struggle with jealousy, with insecurity, with that coworker, with that sibling, with that extended family member, with that other family that seems to have been blessed more than you with that other church or that other pastor, with that other ministry, with that neighbor, with that other business that has prospered more than yours, with that best friend, with that Instagram follower whose life seems perfect, with that college peer whose life looks so amazing. Jealousy is a poison and it will destroy every aspect of your life. It will lead you to a mistreatment of others and a misunderstanding of who God is in your life. It will lead you to a mistreatment of others and a misunderstanding of who God is in your life. When you're jealous of someone else, you know, and when I'm jealous of someone else, you know what I'm really saying? God, you messed up with what you've given me and how you've made me and where you've placed me. I was supposed to have what they have. You messed up, God, and I want what they have. I don't want them to have, I don't want to tear them down and build myself up. And here's my challenge to you tonight, eradicate any jealousy from your heart. Rejoice in who God has made you, where he has placed you and what he has given you, and rejoice with those around you for all that he has done for them. I have Play-Doh here, and I guess this Play-Doh could represent tonight, we'll see if it's moldable still, sometimes you leave the lid open, it gets, turns into like, like a rock, oh, it still molds. We have this Plato here, and I guess this Plato could maybe represent our leadership. It could represent the the things, the areas that God gives us to lead, the lives that He gives us to mold and to shape. And they're His, but He allows us, humanly speaking, to have a part in in doing that. And Here's the reality: God puts these things in our hands, this influence and these opportunities in these lives, and we need to hold them very loosely and we need to shape them very wisely because they're not ours, they're his. But here's what happens when a leader gets lifted up in pride and insecurity, immaturity and jealousy. Here's what happens often what we see with David, the I'm sorry, with Saul. The, the grip around his leadership of David, he tried to tighten. He tried, I'm going to squeeze them. I'm going to try to control every aspect of their life. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to manipulate and scheme and turn them into what I want them to be and affect their lives in the way I want it to. And instead of letting God use us to shape and and just a reminder, and, and I'll be done, whatever God's given you, it's God's. And when we try to overcompensate in our leadership and we begin because a lot of times insecure, immature, jealous leaders they will begin, you get into an immature, insecure, jealous dating relationship, but almost what will happen sometimes in those, the, the man or the woman, the guy or the girl will tell the other one, you can't do it. I've gotta got know every phone call you make, every text message you send, every minute, I've gotta know where you're at. What is that they're trying to squeeze and control and, and in an unhealthy way? Not a, not a loving accountability, but I'm gonna control your life. And you know what happens in our lives with those, the tighter we squeeze, the less control we really begin to get. And all of a sudden, what happens? The tighter that we squeeze, before we know it, we're we're squeezing tighter, but we've lost that influence. And those in our lives and leadership, instead of lovingly molding and shaping, we say, I've got to control everything. And parents, we've got to be careful of that with our children. This, they're gods, and we can, we can, if we're not careful, we need to be parents, and you've heard me preach on that, but we can, we can, we can tighten the clamps down so much thinking I'm going to control them, and what, we, what ends up happening is we lose control. It can happen in any area of life and leadership. And so tonight, just the conclusion of the first part as we see in, in Saul's life and leadership, the toxicity of jealousy in your life and in mine. Are you always manipulating and scheming? Are people pawns to serve your purposes? Or are they pieces of the puzzle, members of the body of Christ, members of that team that you're helping to lead that we can work together to accomplish God's plan? Your children, do they exist to serve you and make you look good? Or do you exist to lovingly guide them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? In every one of our areas, manipulation and scheming, dishonesty, what is the cause for it? It's pride. Pride. I deserve more than that one. What's the cure? Contentment. David behaved himself more wisely. Didn't justify, didn't defend, didn't try to say, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be the king. Let's, let's dethrone Saul. He's acting crazy. No, God, wherever you want to put me and your timing, whatever you want to do in my life, I submit to it. I surrender to it. In your life and in mine, let's seek to be godly, biblical, emotionally uh, um, secure in our, in our, in our, in our uh, emotions, our spirit, our heart, our attitudes, our actions to be healthy, spiritual leaders with those that God's entrusted to our care. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.